0: bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am your host, Michael Davis. And if you wish to just uh, join the discussion or have any questions, you can email me at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Again, that is sjcommonsense at gmail.com. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the neighborhood. As you know, that's an ongoing theme that we have. And uh, in the neighborhood is really where social justice can be realized, as we've talked about in past episodes, due to the fact that people know each other, It's a more uh, smaller and a more logistic scale on which things can happen. But today we're going to talk about the neighborhood as the place of knowing and living equally. And I'll explain today what that means, but the place of knowing and living equally. Uh, I used to live in a neighborhood uh, where you had all kinds of uh, people from different population groups, uh, different parts of the world, different languages, and even different economic levels. And in that neighborhood, you had business people, uh, people on uh, welfare uh, in various ways, whether it was uh, needing help with food or rent uh, or whatever needs there were, but it was state assistance and federal assistance. You had immigrants from Africa, you had white people, Hispanic people, Middle Eastern people, black people, there were Christians, there were Muslims, uh, and uh, all kinds of ethnicities and faith groups there, and people even from different economic levels in that one neighborhood. And yet, the things I remember was that we greeted each other, uh, we checked on each other, the kids played together. When I would see people, they would ask me how I'm doing. I'd do the same, and I would observe that with each other. And, you know, even remember during times where there were snowstorms and people would help each other shovel. And what happens is as these people live together, they, we came to know each other. And through that, there was an equality that happened um, because people were no longer looked at as maybe that black person or that white person or that poor or that business person or whatever, but people just, they knew each other by name. And it was through that experience that it taught me that it really is within the neighborhood that we're able to accomplish the tasks ahead because people can know each other. When you know each other, you tend not to see separation between each other. And I think that's why many injustices happen is because we, we see each other as being separate uh, rather than as being one. But when I know your name, when I see your kids going off to school each day, when I see your struggles, when I see your joys, when I see extended family coming over to your place for gatherings, just things like that. I realize that there is actually an equality about us. There's a sameness about us. There's a, a, uh, something that we share in common with each other. And so through doing that, uh, we learn in the neighborhood that that is the place to know and to live equally because we know each other and through that comes equality. And that's why neighborhoods should be, by the way, integrated Uh, I think that uh, when we separate ourselves uh, and don't allow that integration, such as the neighborhood I just described, then we're robbing ourselves uh, of something very important and valuable. Now, I'm not saying that we should be integrated through force and integrated through laws, but it should be a voluntary integration. Now, I've been to other countries and uh, other parts of this, of the United States, and I've heard stories of people from other countries. And one of the things I've observed in some other countries like England, like uh, um, Kenya uh, and different countries of the world is that there is an integration that happens where the poor... And the rich actually exist side by side. Uh, it's, in Kenya, it's interesting in the neighborhoods that you'll see somebody with a very nice house. And next to them is somebody living in a mud hut. And so the rich and the poor see each other. And I've been told of stories of that happening in places in Europe as well. But integration it really helps us establish those neighborhoods where true justice can be realized. Uh now, in America, where this is being recorded and where I come from, we have a problem because we separate everything out we We have the poor inner city neighborhoods we have the the uh the old neighborhoods where maybe the blue color class of of people uh, used to live. And maybe they've migrated to other places and now it's taken over by assisted living places. I don't mean for older people, but like state assistance, uh, uh, like what used to be called the projects. Um, And then you've got the suburbs with gated communities and, and subdivisions where there's very strict rules on what type of house you can have and what your yard has to look like. Just all these things. What we're doing is further separating ourselves from each other. And then if you add on the issues, uh, I'm going to bring up various different issues, but that create problems of integration. And one of those is the freeway systems we have. You know, if you can live far out of the city in a suburb somewhere and take the freeway, which freeways are very disconnected from the local neighborhoods, take the freeway Uh, often with its sound walls on both sides, and take it into downtown, then you can, to your high-rise office downtown or to some uh, office complex somewhere, then what you can do is completely ignore the poor and completely ignore the oppressed and those who are suffering. And then uh, another thing that we add on top of the freeways is then we add suburbs so we disconnect from from integrated neighborhoods in the in the central city and we move out far out into these suburban what we think of as suburban paradises and then in these suburban paradises we can on the weekends completely ignore the poor until monday we jump on that disconnected freeway and bypass all the poor to our office building uh, maybe it's, for example, it's in downtown Portland where I live or whatever. So the rich don't ever actually see the poor. They don't. The rich don't ever see the suffering that happens. Uh, whereas in many parts of the world, uh, especially Kenya, where you don't—I mean, Nairobi has a uh, extensive freeway system, but other big cities don't in Kenya. And you actually have to see people and see the poor as you drive along the, the streets— In those cities, and you actually have to, the rich have to at least at the very minimum observe that the poor exist and even maybe see them begging on the roadside. But then if it's not enough to have the disconnected suburbs and the disconnected freeways, then once you get, for example, to your office in the high rise downtown, then we have another problem that further disconnects us and that is parking garages. Now, I know parking garages are built to save space or whatever, but with parking garages, then you can be in this cocoon of a parking garage and maybe take a tunnel or a sky bridge into the high rise and, again, further be disconnected and not have to see the suffering of the poor, the homeless, uh, prostitutes, or whoever happens to be around, whereas at least in a parking lot, you have to at least get outside your car and outside the office building and observe But the sad reality is, in America, we live in such a way that we don't even have to get out of our house to get into our car. So in America, we can actually live our entire day inside. So we're inside our house. We go into our garage. That doesn't require us to go outside. We actually can go from maybe our kitchen into our garage, get inside our car, then open the garage door and drive inside our car on the freeway to the office building, go into the parking garage and maybe take an elevator from the parking garage to our office and therefore never actually having to get outside during the day. And what that does, for one thing, I think that creates health problems for our bodies and mental problems because we're not getting fresh air and all of that. But that's not for this podcast. That's just Uh, A free of charge opinion for me on that one. But what really happens is we're not able to connect and see the suffering of the poor, the oppressed, and those who are struggling. And so we can completely ignore it. And then that creates a problem because then somebody like me comes along to attempt to awaken you to the problem. And you may not even know what I'm even talking about because you don't see it. There's a book that I read a couple years ago that really changed my perspective on things and how this works. And that book is called The Caller of Law by Richard Rothstein. and he's a professor at the University of California in Berkeley, UC Berkeley, and he I I think he did a fabulous job of writing a book that very well in a in a very good and excellent way Documents the history of how our the projects were built. Um, my mom herself grew up in what used to be called in the 1940s and 50s the projects, and these were government housing neighborhoods. And you, you know they're recognized by the red brick houses with the white window panes, and 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 very minimally built. And in these projects, what often happened is that black people were often forced to live in these areas, and then uh, they weren't allowed in other neighborhoods. And there literally were neighborhoods, and Richard Rothstein, being at UC Berkeley, talks extensively about the San Francisco Bay Area, but he shows that in the San Francisco Bay Area that there were many, many neighborhoods that had signs in, at the entrance of those neighborhoods that said, No Blacks Allowed. So black people weren't allowed to buy houses. And if a black person attempted to buy a house, they would be arrested and roughed up by the police. And so what happened is over the generations, this segregation happens and we separate from each other. And and through that, then we get into the problems of today where we have these segregated neighborhoods And the reason why I wanted to bring about this particular episode of the podcast is this. I talk extensively about the neighborhood as the place to be and to know and where justice can happen. But often now we're stuck with one very important problem that needs solved is how to have integrated neighborhoods so that that can happen because if we're living in segregated neighborhoods even to this day then we've got a problem now some people may say and people have said to me there are minority groups living in the suburbs and in the subdivisions maybe hispanic people or black people Yes, I agree with that. But the thing is, these are people that have earned enough money to live in those neighborhoods. So still, you're without the poor in your neighborhoods. So yes, you have people of different skin colors, but they're all on the same economic level. So we, we've solved that problem, but we still got to go further and have more integrated sections of our, uh, of our world. Now, before I go on, I want to hear your stories. This is something i gonna challenge you with. I want you to email me and tell me what your neighborhood stories. I shared a story at the beginning of this episode, and I want to hear your stories of success that you've seen in neighborhoods, maybe success in integration, success where there's different people from different cultures, different economic levels living in the same neighborhood, and I want to hear stories of success. And I may even share it in an episode in the future, but I I want stories of success of how justice was realized in a neighborhood. Again, you write me at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Now I want to go on and say that when I'm physically confronted with people in front of me, I have to work harder to ignore and have to confront my own biases. So I'll say it again. When I am physically, Physically and visually confronted with people in front of me, I have to work harder to ignore those people and I have to confront my own biases. And that's one reason why I think it's very important for us to get out of our shells, get out of our comfort zones, and get into areas that aren't comfortable for us because we see the truth. Now, for many years, I've serve the homeless and i would get, have people join me on the streets uh volunteers come and maybe people where it was their first time that they had been in homeless camps or in, in the what we call the ghetto areas of the city and it for me being so experienced it was kind of fun to see people that were so petrified i mean terrified of of entering into those parts of the city that they thought were just totally off limits because of crime and danger and all of that. But you know what happened at every time, every time these people kept coming back, kept coming back and realized, Oh wow, these people in this ghetto area of the city are actually just like me and I can be their friends and friendships got developed. And there are people years later, even today still going to those same sections of the city who originally were petrified and filled with, with terror almost to, to come out the first time. See, what happens is when we allow ourselves to be confronted with those who are suffering, we discover truths and uh, our our fears melt away. Uh, one of the things I was thinking as I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking, what is it in society that are there, is there anything that brings about unity in humans? And one of the things that I thought of was natural disaster. Let's say a hurricane or an earthquake hits in some part of the country. It's very interesting. In those moments, all the biases and the racism and, and the bigotry and all that, it just melts away because there is an immediate human need. And in those natural disasters, we get real human real fast. And we may not always sustain that, but, you know, natural disasters or even a death, when a tragic death happens, it has a way of bringing us together, and the differences tend to go away. The biases collapse, but the sad part is it takes a tragedy, a a disaster for that to happen. I think of what's called 9-11 on 9-11-2001, when the the, the skyscrapers in New York City were struck by the planes, and, and how we came together as a nation that moment, the biases melted away in that moment. It didn't matter if the people that died were black, white, poor, rich, whatever, just that people died and families suffered. Why can't we just do that all the time? Well, I'm going to propose this, is that we can do this all the time, but what we have to do to make it happen is we have to get out of our comfort zones if we're in a segregated neighborhood get out of that neighborhood get into neighborhoods where it's confronts our biases confronts everything we believe and then um uh uh, and and causes these fears and lies and maybe just outright selfishness to to melt away now even though i'm a Catholic, I'm not a huge fan of most Christian movies. I just find them to be kind of cheesy, to be honest with you. But there's a few good Christian movies out there. And one of the cr- movies I like is called The Second Chance. Now, if you're a Michael W. Smith fan, he stars in that movie. But The Second Chance, I really, I've watched it several times. I like it. And what happens is Michael W. Smith is this assistant pastor in a mega church in the suburbs, and he's all caught up in all the hype of a mega Church in the suburbs, and his whole world is surrounded by rich white people. His whole world is surrounded by what we call worldly success and having a big, nice house, a nice car. And he gets challenged and invited to join a black pastor in the inner city of Nashville, Tennessee. And this church is in the ghetto. There's gangs, there's drugs, kids at 10 years old selling drugs. There's All kinds of stuff, but there's this little church, this old church in the inner city, and he's challenged because out of that old church is how that mega church came about to begin with. And you'd have to watch the movie to understand it. But the interesting thing to me is he gets forced into confronting his biases and everything. And in the end, he realizes a whole lot of truths that come to surface for him, and he ends up with more joy. And the end. So I encourage you to watch that movie, The Second Chance. And I believe it's produced by Steve Taylor, another uh, popular uh, contemporary Christian singer. But we've got to move out of our comfort zone. Now, this may not be where you're at. If it is, then great. But there are actually many people in society that are are purposely deciding to move out of their neighborhood and move into more integrated neighborhoods. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe that's where you are, but you're struggling to do it. I just encourage you, go for it. Just just do it. Just get make that move happen and don't look back. Or maybe you're just you've been you've kind of thought about it. Well, I encourage you to go deeper into thought and prayer on that. Or maybe you've never even thought that. Well, let me be the first one to make you uncomfortable and think about doing something like that. Dare to live dare to live. Don't settle for the boring sameness that you may be living right now, but dare to live and dare to be integrated with others because once you do, then you'll realize is in that neighborhood is where I know people and where I can see the suffering and where I can touch people right where they're at. Well, I hope this has been an encouragement and a challenge to you. And I hope it's been educational and inspirational as well. If it has, or if you have any comments, please feel free to, uh, to email me, Davis at sjcommonsense at gmail.com. And thank you so much for joining us today with this episode. And I encourage you to live and work out a just society right where you are. Have a great day. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com.